Extra points back on the air. Glad to deliver them to you. Gary Nemig with Bill Haston, a couple of Tulsa World Sports columnists. Thanking you for your uh, attention, whether uh, we're writing something that you're reading or listening to something we're saying. And uh, you can uh, download anything that we say via the podcast, Extra Points Podcast, thanks to our friends at Google, Apple, and Spotify. Uh, Bill, I got a uh, I got an OUK State game to ask you about, a TU Ole Miss game, uh, a couple of high school topics that you're writing about this week for the world. But I'll start with any interest you have in rehashing the uh, the carnival known as Bedlam's Future. Now, <laughs> now that the music's playing again. Right. Uh, and Mike Gundy has uh, has taken to reading off notes, prepared notes after practice to let us know that uh, to, to emphasize in case he didn't make this point clear at media days in July that Bedlam is history. That's those are his three words. Uh, is there any any perspective you'd like to offer on this topic? Oh, I mean, the, the shock of it, uh, all of the shock of it was contained within about a 60 day window last summer. Mm hmm at least for me personally. And so I've kind of, um, when, when you really thought about uh, life beyond OU and OSU in the same conference, honestly, Bedlam didn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. On top of, uh, you know, I mean, OSU, I was hearing immediately from the Oklahoma State people that Bedlam was history. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you just look at it on both sides and, and you, you think, well, OU is getting into uh, a more difficult conference. Do they really want to tack a Bedlam game in uh, as the late season uh, non-conference date? No, certainly not. And do you want to open the season with a game of that ferocity? No, you don't. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's... You know, and, until it happened to Missouri and KU and until it happened to A&M and, and the Longhorns, it something like that would have felt unimaginable. But we've right. seen it. We've seen it. Um, and Austin and College Station are geographically separated, essentially like Norman and Stillwater, and they haven't played in a long time. And their people have gotten used to it. Sickeningly gotten used to it, but right. got used to it nonetheless. So we're just all going to have to get used to it. It, it makes me sad. Some of my favorite days of the of really my career were getting together with everybody in the state for Bedlam, right? Because mm -hmm. you see people on the other beat or the other side or whatever. Uh, right. And like the one day a year, you kind of have a reunion of everybody in the Oklahoma sports business. Uh, and yeah, and, and it's been a one-sided series, but you have to you have to admit that during the Gundy era, it's been a infinitely more interesting series. Mm -hmm. With mm -hmm. a lot of close games, and I can think of six Oklahoma State losses, maybe four to six Oklahoma State losses just since Mike took it over at OSU that could have gone the other way. And so with regard to it being a true – I don't want to hear anybody say it's not a true rivalry because of the one-sidedness right. of the, the wins and losses. That's bull crap. It's been a great rivalry. Uh, it's really been a great rivalry all along, Aaron, but, but for real, uh, it's the last 15, 17 years. It's been a heck of a good rivalry with a lot of entertaining games, and I hate to see it go away. Yeah. Something else Gundy got around to last night, and I, I don't want to miss this. Uh, I don't know who it was in the crowd. I wasn't Stillwater. I, I just saw Mike on the on the, on the the replay this morning. I didn't see who asked the question, but it was a pretty astute question about what if networks got involved. And that's – here's the thing, man. We, 
if no, if if networks are determining the course of college football right now, if media partners are the ones who are um, who are sitting at the head of the table when it comes to realignment and are, are willing, in the case of ESPN and Fox, to the Big Ten and the SEC, if they're willing to pony up not millions but billions of dollars to sort of reset how college football is going to look in the future, well, then it's probably going to be the networks or the broadcast partners who are going to dictate things like rivalry game. I mean, yeah, it could be, it can be as simple as Joe Castiglione calling um, uh, Chad Weiberg, maybe after a couple of years, right, where we've gotten used to the idea of there not being uh, these two schools in the same league. And they realize, uh, you know, this was kind of fun. Maybe we ought to reconsider having it again. Maybe it's as simple as that. I think that's how Missouri and Kansas got back together as the two athletic directors finally said, enough is enough. Let's work this out. Um, but but if, 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 you're, if you're asking me and you're looking for so, a white knight uh, or a, white, a knight to ride in on a white horse to sort of rescue this thing, probably going to be someone at ESPN and Fox who noticed how big the ratings for Bedlam were last year. And by the way, they were bigger than the OU Texas game. And they're going to say, there's, there's a pretty damn big audience for this game. And it's going to be worth us shelling out enough money for these school, two schools not to say no. Right. That's kind of where I am. No, I would agree. It, it, that's, it'll be, uh, but if you leave it up to the two schools, just for one side or the other to initiate and for dialogue to happen and for this game to be rekindled, I think you're looking at a minimum of 10 years before mm -hmm. that would happen. Um, and, you know, by then, Lord only knows who's coaching at each school and where right. the program. And although I will say this, uh, uh, Brent Venables is a really young 50-year-old guy, really healthy, vibrant 50-year-old guy. And I can see him being there a long, for a long run, and I could not be more impressed mm -hmm. with his first three games. Uh, it's just it, – it's – every measurable is impressive. I love the run game. Um, I don't know why I decided to segue to OU football, but let's do it. Let's I do love, it. I love let's what I saw at Lincoln. It was a, uh, uh, it was just a masterpiece of how a road team should go in, um, how a favored road team should go into a place, a hostile place, and mm -hmm. just hit them in the mouth and, and play beautiful football. I man, the run game. Uh, they are as we speak, and I know it's a small sample size, Garen, but you know, through three games, they're averaging 50, 50 yards more per game on the ground, uh, roughly the same per attempt, but uh, the commitment to, to running it more. I love the balance. I love Dylan Gabriel. I love that there's not any sort of, for the first time in six years, you don't have a Heisman guy coming out of the shoot of a season, right? You don't have a Heisman favorite or a guy. Mm -hmm. not, not Gabriel... It isn't that far down on the odds makers boards right now for the Heisman, uh, but his feels more organic where instead of just being uh, anointed in midsummer as the Heisman guy or one of, he's just going to play his way into it, but he's been great. Uh, they've responded to him beautifully. Uh, and, you know, in K-State, um, man, uh, not what I expect so far. So, uh, but what was it, uh, 2019? Um, I can't remember. I, I remember a very recent K-State game where OU blew a big fourth quarter lead and watched K-State win that game in Norman. So, 
you, you never presume anything with K-State. Nope, you don't. They sure seem to lack firepower in their, what, 127th in passing, I think is what I saw. They're getting what they're they're getting what I think we all figured they might from Adrian Martinez. I mean, he's I, he's he's a stabilizing figure. He's a solid guy, solid kid, you know. But he he's limited when it comes to throwing. Right. And right. I don't and I don't know if Colin Klein, the, the first year offensive coordinator there, can come up with uh, enough ways to sort of program around him and to to. Uh, it, it's not like he's ignoring Deuce Vaughn at Martinez's expense, but it's gotten to the point where defenses have figured out that if we key on Vaughn and not let Martinez get get crazy with with running the ball, um, we can contain K State's offense. That's that's Venable's charge Saturday night. It would seem right, and I love. I should have mentioned. Uh, I love what I've seen from the front seven mm -hmm. defense. From OU, just the explosion and the speed and the fresh faces and, and the depth. And, and I mean, OU is really impressive to me right now. Super impressive. And, and um, you know, it's kind of what we all thought it was kind of what was projected with Brent would be, you know, a return to basics and, and a mm -hmm. return to solid fundamental football. Uh, and then if you combine that with the kind of athletes they bring in, then it should the results should be spectacular, and it's been great so far. And so, but don't don't fall. I mean, there's been some. When's the last time? Really, seriously, think about this. You'd have to go back to uh, probably before the World War uh, World War Two, and it may have never happened. When's the last time Kansas State had more football talent than OU? I never. So, but has K State won a few of them? Yep. Yeah. They, right. So uh, don't presume anything. Don't take anything for granted, and uh, get to the finish line of, of this one. You know, is it still? It's probably been long enough that it's not uh, any sort of uh, personal, not much personal significance for Brent to face K State. But you know, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, yeah. every game should be personally significant because yeah, you got to win them all. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, another coach who is making sure he has his players' minds right going into Saturday afternoon, in, in this case, Saturday afternoon, it's got to be Lane Kiffin at Old Miss uh, because the way Davis Brin is slinging it around to, especially to Keelan Stokes, but also to um, Santana. Love Santana. Yeah. And, and I think Malachi Jones. The way that I, they needed, they they've eventually got to find a run game. They they can't keep getting away with having you know Bryn carry the offense. But uh, he, the way that that guy has responded, and um, it's not like this is not Ole Miss playing the Egg Bowl. It's certainly not Ole Miss playing Alabama. If if the Hurricane can start well in Oxford Saturday, there's no reason they can't they can't be in the fight to the end. I agree. I mean, and of course. Uh, there's a history that tells you that even if TU has a rough first half, they have a history of coming back in, in tough environments like that. But just don't do that. Don't don't put yourself behind. Right. Don't make the kind of mistakes that result in a in a 17 point or a 24 point halftime deficit when it should have been a one score game. Don't yeah. do that this time. Just go in there solid. I watched uh, uh, Lane Kiffin's uh, weekly deal. Uh, was that yesterday? I don't remember. I watched it yesterday, but anyway, it was his weekly media get together, and 
I bet you he mentioned 10 times that Tulsa is the national leader in passing. And he seems sincerely, sincerely uh, concerned, you know, mm -hmm. that this is this passing attack is going to give us a lot of issues. And um, so protection will be uh, interesting, you know, pretty immediately uh, when this game starts, see how, how TU's protection holds right. up. And uh, like you say, you've got to have some value. But to, to Phillip's credit, Philip Montgomery's credit, um, he never bails on the run game. I mean, mm -hmm. they hammering away at it, even if they're only getting a yard and a half, two yards a pop. And I've seen a lot of games during the Montgomery era where eventually it'll start to open up a little more and it becomes a reason why they either win a game or stay in a game. Um, so can uh, can Davis Brand, who's by far the national leader in passing individually, mm -hmm. by far, uh, what is that, 64% Garen, which is good, uh, could be a little better, but good. And But what's great is 11 to 1 touchdowns. That's the thing. There you go. Yep. Uh, so, Davis Brin, this is this is kind of a legacy game for him. I mean, he could really – I mean, that it's a statement opportunity for sure for for Davis Brin. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and this could – this would put him in a different place uh, in the national uh, picture, not to mention on the NFL uh, evaluation boards mm -hmm. uh, for his next life. So big game. Can't wait to watch it. Yep. Uh, I, in, to me, it's probably the most compelling game of the week. Yeah, well, and whatever happens, I haven't seen anything from anyone outside of to you in the American Athletic Conference to lead me to think that, the, you know, there, there's no playoff crasher in, in this league this year. Cincinnati just isn't the same. Houston is, boy, um, happy for Kansas to to have started 3-0. and It's kind of, it's great to see uh, after all the years of misery they've had up in Lawrence for there to finally be hope. But uh, goodness gracious, I, I don't I don't imagine that's the storyline in Houston this week and uh, with, with Holgerson's rough start. So opportunity here for TU, win or lose, moving forward. You have um, really interested to ask you. I, I texted, a, uh, I, I was in a, a group thread with some guys. Yeah. Who were, uh, all uh, fired up about the Kansas game. And a couple of them are, well, one of them in particular is a, really a, a Jayhawk for life, you know, kind of right. guy. Right. I asked him uh, if after they rallied to beat Houston the other day, you know, they looked a little bleak early because they were down two touchdowns. Yeah, right, right. And, and uh, I asked him, who will be your interim coach for the bowl game? And he writes back, you know, ha, ha, ha. But <laughs> isn't it interesting, though, that a Kansas coach is having – who was trending in a good way anyway last year. Right. And now has this kind of a season going at the same time that Nebraska's looking for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we see. will see. But, but are, are you not invested in uh, Kansas with this guy? with? Is it yeah. Leipold or Leipold? I hear Leipold. Lance, Lance Leipold, yeah. I thought it was Leipold, but I heard a network, a uh, uh, sports center guy calling Leipold. So yeah. it's Leipold. Yeah. I, I am fully invested yeah. in him uh, as a as a full real guy. He's yep. impressive. If he, uh, gets, if he gets a Nebraska job, we'll all know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. We'll see. Hey, listen, and he got extended last week. Uh, yeah. Did you see the terms of that deal? I mean no. – the final year of his deal, Garen, is 27, and he will be paid three and a half million that year. Yeah, I know. The money peaks on his new contract extension, and 
Nebraska will pay him five and a half, six million to make that move. And right. three and a half million is half of what Gundy's making in Stillwater right now. So uh, he's an affordable rising star, um, very impressive coach. So good for they're the team of the year so far, for so sure. So far. He's, he's national coach of the year. And and they could go three and nine. He still might be national coach of the year. We'll see. Hey, you've got, speaking of coaches, you uh, you had a chat with uh, a, a guy that I know a lot of your readers and, and a lot of our listeners will be familiar with that you're, you're that I think folks are going to want to check out the column that became, that becomes from that chat. Uh, right. Tell us about that and about what's going on at the OSSAA and, and crowd control. Cause that also is very interesting. Right. Uh, well, the, the OSSAA, uh, um, in response to some stuff that's been going on and, and to an incident, uh, not directly to an incident that happened in March, but there was an incident that happened in March at the state basketball tournament. Uh, and so the OSSAA passed legislation during the summer in June, and basically it's a two strikes and you're out rule. And I'm writing about it for tomorrow's uh, section. And okay. basically, if there are two egregious acts committed by anybody associated with a team in any sport, two, uh, that team's season is done. They're finished. Uh, and if, if it happened to be in a state semifinal game where the second strike occurred, you just forfeit the championship game. You're done. Uh, so what the hope is, like David Jackson told me, we, uh, we the association, hope we never, ever have to put a second strike on anybody. And, and so far since school started, one team in the state, one team in one sport in the entire state of Oklahoma has an egregious act violation on its book. And so if they get a second one, and it's not anywhere near Tulsa, and it's softball, just for the record, uh, but if that team happens to get another egregious act, and an egregious act, how do you define that? If a parent jumps the fence and threatens an umpire, or mm -hmm. uh, if uh, if an orchestrated chant from a student body is particularly vicious and personal, mm -hmm. and, okay, and and continues after they've been told to stop, that would be an egregious act. If uh, if a coach takes a swing at a referee. You know what I mean? I mean, this right. is beyond uh, garden variety flare-ups. <clears throat> and uh, so, uh, and, and the and the association is on the brink of uh, trying to really uh, crack down on, on profanity on the fields and courts of Oklahoma high schools. So, uh, and they, and they, they know that's, that's a tough deal. And, but, and we're not talking about cancellations of seasons on that front. We're talking about 15-yard flags. Okay. They do want to, they do want to clean it up. Uh, and some of the officials I've talked, referees I've talked to said, you know, you, you cannot believe uh, some of the stuff we're hearing on the field now. And they just want to clean that up. Mm -hmm. and that's not a cancellation of the season. That's a non-sportsmanlike that'll hurt your team in the moment. And they hope that the coaches, they'll get the coaches' attention and trickle down to the, hey, guys, sort of like targeting. It took years for guys to kind of get used to that, even though that's still a funky. Uh, enforcement of targeting is still funky. And I thought the Deshaun White got jacked. Uh, that was a terrible call the other day. Um, but, but um, yeah, so there's that for tomorrow's paper. And then for Friday, um, I, did, I went to Sepulpa's practice yesterday, September 20th. September 20th, 
and it was 99 degrees. Like, this is miserable. Oh my mm -hmm. God, so hot. And uh, today's yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. But I'm not out in it today. <laughs> uh, but so David Alexander, the former Broken Arrow coach, coached BA to its only state championship in 2018 in football. Mm -hmm. And two days, two years to the day after he and the Tigers won that championship, he was dismissed from that job. And so he now, last season, he was a special teams coach at Jinx, won it ring, won his sixth state championship ring with Jinx last year. And now he is the offensive coordinator and O-line coach at Sepulveda. Wow. And I saw him. And no idea. The longtime former, uh, former longtime Bixby coach who preceded, uh, he was a, uh, Laura Montgomery's predecessor at Bixby. He also is on that staff. He's coaching the linebackers. So Tim Holt, the head coach, who's a young head coach, uh, has, you know, 62-year-old Patton Grew and 58-year-old David Alexander, uh, accomplished head coaches wow. as on his staff over there. So I saw them scrimmage in Bixby in August and thought, I should, uh, I should go see these guys in a few weeks and uh, talk with David catch up with David because I really hadn't talked with him much except hello, you know, now and then. And, um, but it was interesting. And I asked David, you know, uh, to reflect on what went down at BA and, um, and I asked, you know, do you still have scar tissue from that situation? And he said, I actually, I still have a wound from that situation. Gosh, wow. So there'll be more, I mean, you know, I'll let him elaborate. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, it, uh, that situation seemed to have broken his heart and, uh, it's been almost two years since that. Gosh. Unbelievable. I, I'll never forget that morning when I got that text, uh, that they had made that move against David. And I just thought, I don't believe it. And, um, make a couple of calls and find out in fact that it's true. So, uh. But anyway, that's yeah, that's what we got coming up Friday, and um, and you know, um, as far as big games go, um, the game I think I will go see Friday, Garen. Uh, Muskogee is this close to being a Kansas type story? Mm -hmm. They're three and zero, uh, and with Travis Hill, and they play at Sand Springs. Friday night. Sand Springs pretty good. I went to see them. Isn't that crazy though that you can get beat 67 to 3 by Bixby and still be considered a state contender? Right. Springs is a state contender in 6A2. They're pretty good. That's just Bixby is on a you know, they play at Norman North Friday. That's interesting. Uh they haven't played in Bixby Spartans haven't played in Norman in a long time. And yet they go to Norman North. And uh, so people in and uh, Norman can get their first look at the Bixby dynasty. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're not going to like it. <laughs> they're not going to feel good Saturday morning. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I was tempted to go that game just to see what it looks like. Because, uh, I mean, it's just like, I think until you get a taste of it, you just don't believe it. Yeah. I don't think the Owasso people believed it, uh, that what they were about to experience. And, and I thought, I let Bixby, uh, came out with a physicality that just stunned Owasso. And you see it week after week after week and years for years now. And so Bixby takes that physicality and that un 
forward, they're so well coached. So I'll be interested to see if that's a typical 59 to 13 game or if Norman North can, uh, you know, reinvent the wheel and find a way to like really stress Bixby. Nobody else has in a couple of years. Man, you see Travis Hill and Pat McGrew, you're taking, you're taking us back now. Yeah, Travis Hill is one of the all-timers uh, who, who, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I want to go to Muskogee and, and spend an afternoon with, with Travis too. Uh, but he's he's one of those guys who had a he had a setback and he got back into it. And I can honestly say, I mean, you talk to these coaches and you find out who in that fraternity is like really well liked and respected, and who's beloved and who ain't. Mm-hmm. And uh, Travis Hill, I mean, seems universally loved in the coaching profession. And so I know a lot of guys are, are rooting for him to have a special season at Muskogee, yeah. except for Bobby Clink, who has to face him. Uh, yeah, right. You know, but that'll be a good game. I mean, it just if you just look at Bixby's scores and you look at the other side of it, you can't. You might think, oh, man, that other team isn't very good. You can't – Bixby is such a different metric. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah. they're going to beat the crap out of most teams. And, I mean, you can't just, like, sweep the other team away uh, because it's Bixby. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for uh, the 6A1 postseason. I can't wait. I can't wait for all the postseason. Uh, and I can't wait to watch OSU at Waco next week. Yeah. Well, it, it'll uh, – it won't OSU's be 9 to 5. Or... Yeah, OSU's lost four of the last five in Waco. I mean, I mean – it's time to go win. Uh, and two years ago, when they won forty-two to three, that Waco team was—I'm sorry—that Baylor team was in disarray, right? And and so, uh, boy, if Oklahoma State can go down there next week and beat a fully loaded, ready-to-go Baylor in Waco, I'm really impressed. So, well, I know an OSU quarterback. You mentioned. Uh, the Heisman race being a little more open this year. I know an OSU quarterback who might find himself on a few of those lists if he goes to Baylor, puts up 350 and three or four touchdowns, and, and the Cowboys beat the Bears. Oh, every week, every week, Sanders is is, uh, is taking steps to uh, open doors for himself after Stillwater. Hey, real quick, I got a Pat McGrew a piece of trivia for you. When I was uh, dating Christy, my wife, in high school here, uh, I would go with her over to Lance Park just off of 244 and watch her dad play fast pitch softball for the Firebirds, who, if anyone has any remembrance of, of the glory days of fast pitch softball in Tulsa, they know when, I'm, when I say Firebirds, that's like royalty. This right. was the team. Pat McGrew was a teammate of my father-in-law's okay. on, on a few of those teams. So next time you see him, you'll have to ask him last, last time he swung a bat. I don't know. You know what he looks like right now? He looks like an athlete. <laughs> so, so he's probably still swinging it. Yeah, I don't know. But, but I mean, if, if you handed him a bat and he stepped in the box, I bet he'd hit it. <laughs> he looks great. And, yeah, uh, yeah he uh, – and so does David. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really amazing. David Alexander uh, retired from the NFL at 288 pounds. Now he weighs like 225. And if you said that guy's a former athlete, uh, you, uh, at least a lot of people would look at him and think maybe he was a retired basketball forward. I mean, mm-hmm. he, uh, but yeah, Pat McGrew looks great. Had a great mm-hmm. time. And, and uh, so we'll see. It's Spolpa, uh, Spolpa has a chance to, uh, and they should actually win. They go to Durant uh, and they'd be three and one. So mm-hmm. 
it's there's a lot of storylines but well as we get deeper into mid to late october uh and you got a jinx bixby game coming up on the books and and holy moly uh, yep it'll be crazy and, uh, it will it'll be interesting again before long and uh the best part is it won't be again 95 in the shade uh hopefully by by playoff time well, so. apparently apparently allegedly so i remember like a month ago it we had a little cool spell and they said, yeah, the, the really searing heat is done for the year and crap here it is. So, um, but I, now I'm hearing that by this time, the next time you and I are together here, that the weather should turn and stay turned and that will actually surge into fall. And so I'm ready for it. I, I've never complained about weather uh, much, but September 20th, and I asked my phone, what's the temperature? And she says, 99. And I'm like, <laughs> so upsetting, so mad. Anyway, what a baby. I wasn't even out there in pads. I'm just watching. I know, I know. Which, which is why I don't complain out loud and in the moment because then everybody's going to look at you like, you blankety blank. Yeah, but they're they're 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, right? They're now the coaches are. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I assume they're not padded up, but yes, they're they're working a little harder than the bystanders who go out from the media and watch practice. Uh, and Ian, Ian, I was you know I was doing less than anybody on the field in that moment. Yeah, I'm watching. Ian was running around getting pictures. Uh, the man in black. The man, in, yeah, black <laughs> team, black t-shirt, ninety-nine degrees, <laughs> and got great art. So yeah. God, we need to bring Ian on our podcast sometime. That's the, yeah. There's there's the guy that uh, there's the behind the scenes guy that makes it happen for us is Ian Mall. We'll we'll introduce Tulsa to Ian sometime. Um, all right, enjoy the uh, the football this weekend. I I will be in Norman. Uh, you, Sand Springs. So where you said you're going to be? Maybe. I, I think so. I think I'll go to uh, Muskogee Sand Springs. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, we'll be back next Wednesday to deliver the goods again, courtesy of Google, Apple, and Spotify. This has been Extra Points, proud service of Tulsa World Sports columnist Bill Haston and Garen Eming.